So today we continue this series of sermons which we've entitled The Church Unleashed or The Unleashed Church. Uh, again, I want to refer you to the graphic of the horses running, uh, the Mustangs. Great picture of the church being unleashed. Because for so long, really, the church has not been unleashed, but has rather been kind of confined for various reasons. As we move into this next chapter in the life of Piedmont Community Church, my hope, my dream, my prayer is that we would be a church where all God's people are unleashed, and that as a church we make great movement ahead. Today we're taking a passage of scripture from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians is sometimes called the church book because in it God lays out this vision for God's church. A lot of great passages, but we'll be looking at chapter 4, verses, we'll begin at verse 7. So let me pray and then we'll read the scripture and, and dive in. God, we thank you for the church. I thank you so much for how you have used the church in my life and how I am very much a different person today than if I uh, never had been part of this glorious thing called the church. Lord, I pray that um, you would speak to us today, that you would speak with conviction and And give us a challenging word, and yet a comforting word. Let us hear the good news in this passage today. uh, That you have gifted each one of us with unique gifts to fulfill the ministry that you have called us to. So speak, we pray, uh, through my meditations and this word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So here we are at Ephesians Ephesians chapter 4. beginning at verse 7. But to each one of us, grace has been given, or a gift has been given, as Christ apportioned it. So Christ himself, and here he lists the gifts that Christ gives to the church, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. A few years ago, a friend of mine, really one of my best friends, received a call to be the associate, one of the associate pastors at First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. And, you know, I just love it when my good friends get called to places like Hawaii. Anyway, in the Presbyterian Church, we often always have what we call an installation service, where the pastor, new pastor being called is installed. 
it's kind of a funny word, but I've never been able to think of a better one, uh, as he or she becomes the pastor in that church. It's really a great service where the pastor makes promises to the congregation and the congregation makes promises to the pastor. Anyway, they usually have someone preach at the service and my friend asked me to come to Hawaii to preach. And I said, do I really have to come to Hawaii to preach at this service? Let me think about that for a little bit. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> and when we got there, you know, uh, this is a big event, so there were a lot of family and friends, and we each kind of added on days in the front and the back and had a few, few days to see Hawaii. We decided to really do the tourist thing and ride an outrigger, outrigger canoe down in, in Waikiki. You know those canoes, long, narrow, uh, balancing arm on one side, about six-seated usually, with this huge guy in the back who looks like he could snap you in two, uh, barking out orders and steering. The guy showed us how to paddle when we were on the beach and walked us through the whole thing. Then we got into the water and we paddled out to the breakers. He kept emphasizing one key. He kept saying, everyone has to put their paddles in the water at the same time and each time you have to get a good, uh, thorough pull before pulling out. So we got out to the breakers, we turned around, and uh, we were ready. Told us to start rowing, paddling, and as we began, I began, I was amazed at the speed we were able to reach as we rowed hard, caught the wave, and then rode it all the way into shore. I was amazed that this group of uh, really amateurs could do this on the first try. And here's the point that I'm trying to make. It is absolutely amazing, really, what a group of people can do when they're paddling together, when they are going in the same direction, working as a team, Maybe this is why God's vision for the church is that it functions really like a great team. We see this vision in our scripture today from Ephesians chapter 4. There are many other places in the New Testament where uh, this same vision is presented. Scriptures like 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. So there's no doubt that God's vision for the church, for our church, is that we operate as a team. You know, I looked up the definition of team this week, and here's what it said. It said, a number of persons associated in some joint action. That's the church. And this is certainly how Paul describes this church in this passage, isn't it? He doesn't actually use the metaphor of a team. He uses the metaphor of the human body, which is brilliant, really. We all know our own bodies, and we all know how we have different parts that all work together in this really beautiful, kind of uh, wondrous way. I think Paul probably could have used 
a number of metaphors. He could have used a symphony with each, each part playing beautiful music, beautiful notes, all of them coming together to make beautiful music. He could have used a choir. But I like this metaphor of a team, that we are all members of a team in the church. I'm sure that all of us have been members of a team, either an athletic team or a team here at our church or at work or in a volunteer organization. And we know the joy of seeing a group of people, just like it said in this definition, coming together in some joint action. Each one using their skills and their gifts, abilities to come together to make a team work, to get to accomplish something that they could never accomplish on their own. This is God's vision for the church. And it has been for the very, since the very birth of the church at Pentecost. The church was always a lay movement of people coming together from all different walks of life, coming together to accomplish something they could never accomplish on their own. This is God's vision for the church, but for some reason, over time, something went wrong. At the beginning, it was very much this lay movement of all the people working together. But by the time of the reformers, of Martin Luther and John Calvin and the others, it had taken a very different form. Really what it was, was the clergy being the church and the people being passive bystanders. It was not fulfilling the vision that God had for it. It was not operating as a team, but rather the professional pastors played in the game, just like I said last week. And the rest of the people watched. This was the picture of the church that the reformers saw, and yet as they read scripture like the one I just read today, they saw that all of God's people are gifted. All of God's people are are called to ministry. All of God's people are to be engaged in the ministry of the church and make a difference. Now, sometimes we hear this word ministry and we're mystified by it a little bit. Let me demystify it. Ministry is simply an action, some action done in the love of God. So preaching, obviously, is a ministry. Serving meals at a soup kitchen is a ministry. Setting up chairs for an event is a ministry. Serving on a finance committee and using your gifts in finance is a ministry. And see, we can all be ministers And that's why the Reformers came up with this great term, the priesthood of all believers. So that it's just not the priest doing the work of the church and the ministry, but it's all the believers. We're all priests. That's a great team. Let me ask you to think of a time when you served on a great team, maybe at work or at at some other uh, venue. One of my greatest joys as a pastor is being part of a church where people come together as a team and work toward a goal, people using their gifts. You know, you, you may not know this, but I had a, a distinguished athletic career. Well, not really, but I played a lot of sports and had some great experiences. But my favorite, 
and my best experience as a team, being on a team, was my junior high basketball team. And why was it so good? Well, for one thing, we all loved each other. We knew each other well. We had grown up together. We spent a lot of time together playing basketball, not just you know formally at school, but on the weekends. We loved each other. We knew each other. And this was really something because we were very diverse. I went to a junior high that, that was very diverse racially. We, we were, there were blacks, there were whites, there were Asians. Hispanic folks. And even though we were very diverse, in a time when racial tensions were really high in Los Angeles, we came together. And we loved each other. And we were united. We rooted for each other. There were no big egos on this team. We wanted our team to succeed, not just ourselves as individuals. And so we brought out the best in each other. We knew where, uh, where one guy really could shoot, and that was his very best shot. We knew that others were to rebound. That was their gift. Everyone knew their role and didn't try to be something they weren't. And because of all these factors and work, hard work, we accomplished something great. We won our league championship two years in a row. And here's what was so great about it. We were not the most talented team, not the biggest team. Our rivals, who we played in the championship game every year, both years, were much more talented, were much bigger. I, I mean, these guys had beards. We should have checked the birth certificates. And yet, both years, we beat them because we played as a team. You know, a few years ago, I attended a Warriors game at the Oracle Arena, and they gave free t-shirts out that night, and across the front they said, strength in numbers. It's a great motto, strength in numbers. So not just the superstars like Clay Thompson and, and Steph Curry, but everyone, strength in numbers, the whole team. And not only the team, really the message they were getting across was the fans were part of of the team, that as visiting teams came to Oracle, they were to be intimidated by, by the, the loudness of the arena, by the enthusiasm of the fans. I'd love to get t-shirts like that for our church. Strength in numbers. Because it's when all of us participate and all of us are using our gifts and engaging in the life of the church that our church will be strong. This is God's vision for the church, that we're a team. And on God's team, in the church, everyone plays. That's the vision. It's not just a few people doing the work. It's not just the clergy or the staff. But everyone plays. You know, I've looked at surveys over the years that I've been a pastor about how many people in the church are actually involved in ministry? And, you know, it's always about 10%. Gallup often conducts these surveys, and it's always right about 10%. 10%. When God's intention is that 100% of us, 
are engaged in ministry. That's God's intention for the church, and that's God's intention for you. And he has designed you. He has gifted you to make a difference. He believes in you. This is the really good news in this passage, that God has gifted you and designed you to make a difference. Did you catch that in verse 7 in this passage? But to each one of us, each one of us in the church, grace or a gift, it's the same root word, has been given as Christ apportioned it, as Christ has given them out to each one of us. So God has gifted each one of us uniquely. There's a, there was a pastor in Washington, D.C. named Gordon Cosby, uh, Church of the Savior, which is a church that is very much a great team church. And this is what he writes, and I want you to hear this. This is a great quote. Christ makes each of us something unlike any other creation fashioned by God. Did you hear that? Christ makes each one of us something unlike any other creation fashioned by God. Something wonderful, exciting, unique. Something specifically needed in the body of Christ or the church. This uniqueness, this very self that is so hard to describe, this charismatic person gifted by the Holy Spirit is the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is the primary gift we bring to the body of Christ. And without it, the body or the church is immeasurably impoverished. Did you hear that? Without your gift, without you bringing what only you can bring to the church, the church is immeasurably impoverished. And this passage from Ephesians is so clear. Christ has fashioned each one of us. Christ has given each of us gifts. Remember when we looked at Ephesians chapter 2, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And then right after that, for you are Christ's workmanship or poem. You are God's poem. And only you can bring what you can bring to the church. And you are needed. Some of you are teachers. Some of you are leaders. Some of you have the gift of mercy. Some the gift of wisdom. Some the gift of service. You know, this gift, obviously, and, or this list, and all the lists in these passages, similar passages, are not by any means exhaustive. They're just examples. There are a variety of gifts. But each one has been given a gift. But we have to use our gifts. And we have to get engaged. Romans 12, which is another great passage similar to this one, it says, if you can teach, then teach. If you can lead, then lead diligently. If you have the gift of giving, then give generously and with great joy. In other words, jump in. Get engaged. And when people discover their gifts, who God has made them to be, and to begin to serve in an area of ministry which matches their gifts, it's deeply satisfying 
and it brings joy and ministry, folks, explodes. It absolutely explodes. And the result of all of this is growth. Look what happens when the church is playing like a great team, when it's living out God's vision. Individually, we grow, we mature. And as a church, we grow. This passage says that the church is built up as each one uses their gifts to minister to each other. In fact, we see this in this passage, that growth, that maturity is the goal. Verse 14, then we will no longer, as each one is using their gifts, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by, by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow in every respect to become the mature body of, of his who is the head, Christ. And from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part. Friends, let me ask you this. What if, what if our church really lived out this biblical principle or this this vision of the ministry of all of God's people? What if every single person in our church knew how God had gifted them and they were serving according to their giftedness? You know, I've been working with the mission study team and, and we have had to come up with strengths of our church. And I'll disclose a little bit here. One of those strengths which should come as no surprise. In fact, I think the greatest strength of this church, aside from the gospel itself, is the people. And i got to be honest with you, this time that we're in right now, this transition as we open this new chapter in the long history of Piedmont Community Church, this is a crucial time. And the next few years are so important You know, in so many ways, we have to rebuild the church, reimagine the church, really. And it's just not us. Almost every church in America has to rebuild after this pandemic. So many of our ministries, just from not being able to be together, have deteriorated over the last couple of years. And we need new ministries. We need to think of new ways of fulfilling our purpose as a church things that we have never done before. It's crucial. It's not just the pastors that are going to, or the staff that are going to rebuild this church or a few chosen people, leaders in our church. It's all of us using our gifts, ministering to each other, building up the church. I want to close with this. Imagine. Imagine for a second. If every one of the, what we think are five or 600 people who, are, who would call this church their church, imagine if 
Each of those persons knew their gifts, served according to their gifts, put their paddle in the water, and we were rowing together in one direction. Imagine how fun that would be. You know, often I'm asked, what would you love to see happen in our church? And I would say this, I would love for us to be rooted in grace, gratitude, generosity, that we would just know that we are loved by God, that we are saved by grace, that we would be grateful people, generous in every way with our time, with our money, with encouraging words, with our love, and that every single person in our church would know and be confident that God has gifted them, that God has called them to some form of ministry, and that God will empower them to fulfill that ministry. Talk about unleashed. Talk about power. Talk about movement. The church would be unstoppable. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for this amazing vision of your church. And wow, how, how sad it is how the church has fallen so short of your great vision for it. Lord, may you do something powerful at PCC. Lord, may your Holy Spirit just be poured out on this place. That we would love each other as you have loved us. That we would know that we are gifted by you in some unique way that you have called us and that you have empowered us. The power of the Holy Spirit to do your work both here within the walls of our church and out in our community. Lord, unleash our church. Empower it to be the church that you envision. By your grace, in Christ's name, amen.